Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm going to preach on the relationship blueprint. How many know Jesus gives a blueprint to almost everything? And if we dig in there long enough, we will find everything we could ever ask for, what we need. And I'm going to tell you that this uh, message started about in July, uh, and I've been chewing on it, and then God keeps doubling down on this message for me till we get a little spicy. So I want to talk about it because I think it's important that we don't do life alone. How many agree with that statement? Well, I'm about to tell you why you need to believe in that statement in just a second, but what really hit me in uh, July was my dad's 80th birthday. How many know that's like, that's kind of a big deal? That's a big deal. I wasn't even thinking about it. You know, my dad's just 80, no big deal. But a couple weeks before, I called him, check in on him, and, and uh, I mean, he sounded horrible. I'm like, then I started thinking, dude, you got to make it to your 80th. So then it became like, I better start praying that my dad makes it today. I, I call him every week to check in. It just, it was sounding worse. Like, you ever heard that phrase, like, death warmed over? I don't even know where they came. What does that mean? I don't know. But it, death warmed over is what he sounded like in my mind. And so I kept thinking to myself, okay, so now I'm just trying to pray my dad across the line. And then I started thinking about, all right, this is a surprise, and I'm bringing in a lot of old people. And uh, no disrespect for anybody over the age of 80, but I mean, I just was, I've never thrown an older party, if you know what I'm saying. So then I'm thinking, my dad doesn't sound good. He's getting here. And like, what if I bring every, and we surprise him. And it's so much of a surprise, he has a heart attack. So then I'm like, no, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let every one of his older friends come in like 15 minutes at a time. That way he's like, oh, surprise. And then his heart rate lowers. I think 15 minutes should be fine. And then he had a couple stents, so I mean, it's like blood flowing. So then I'm like, okay, if it, so it was funny to see because he kept getting shocked every 15 minutes, like the battles. <gasps> oh my gosh. It was really funny if you're there. Some of you aren't laughing. I thought it was funny. Dad, I thought you thought it was funny. But it was cool because they had conversations that I've never really had before. And the truth is, I've never had friends that long. So I was really taken back by the level of friendships that my dad had. And so much so I've asked him in the weeks following just about those relationships and friendships and, and um, really what's it take to have friendships that are 40, 50, 60 years old? Like one guy was so determined, he just broke his hip 10 days before and all he cared about was getting to my dad's 80th. He was gonna do whatever, his wife's like, man, I've never seen him so dedicated. He was stretching, doing the physical therapy. He would never do that stuff. He said, I don't care if I bring my leg, I sit here and rot. And he said, wait, Al's 80th? I gotta get there. <laughs> Could you imagine like a walker race? I mean, he came in, I'm like, I mean, I've known Jack since I was like eight or six or some young age. And uh, they were just telling stories to see letters that were written to my dad about what kind of man he was and what kind of friend he was. I was, by the end of it, I was a mess. And then I started going, what kind of friends do I have? What kind of friend am I? It just made me realize, like, what are we doing? And then a couple weeks ago, you know, I was up at this conference and it was, you know, 700 doctors, 
a lot of health practitioners, naturopaths, chiropractors, such and like, and they're talking about longevity. And then speaker after speaker after speaker was going off on all these studies, psychological studies, medical studies, this study, that, and everything had telomere length this and all the scientific jargon that. Everything had to do with longevity quotients and longevity this. You know what? There's a lot of different facts said about longevity. You know the one common denominator? They said the quality of your relationships will determine the quality of your telomere length or the longevity in your life. They said people that don't have friends, actually it's like smoking 20 cigarettes a day in negative equity against your health. They say the number one thing since 2020 is loneliness, anxiety, depression, skyrocketed through the roof. And they always say that it's been trending up over the years. They said the curve, bell-shaped curve, went straight up after 2020. They thought 2020 was bad. It's actually now they're seeing the results, 2021, 2022, 2020. It's not getting any better. So what is the church doing about it? Why are we doing church? My job is to make sure, not that you're just coming to church, sit in a pew, check the box. No, that we are growing, that we are developing, that we are becoming more Christ-like. What's that take? Well, we got to get into the Word of God. So I want to take us through just some really important things that I, I find that Jesus is trying to talk to us about. What I'd like to start off and just give us some context, if we could all go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25, I wanna talk about just the Good Samaritan. You know, because sometimes we can get so busy in life, we just kinda gloss over certain stories. And I found that this was quite interesting because they were looking at suicide rates, or I was lately, and uh, a woman that's a practice member of mine, she made a comment. She said she works at a morgue. Her dad was a pastor. He just had passed away a year ago. And she said he loved doing funerals more than weddings. I was like, okay, that's a little twisted. (laughs) But I'm interested to listen now. By the end of her conversation, I was so choked up. I had to go, like, take care, you know, like, freshen up before I adjusted her because I was like, oh, my gosh, what a heart. For these families. And so it was like every time she'd come in, I was picking her brain. Like I was so fascinated. Like, how could I be a pastor like that? To care that much? I mean, doing weddings, you're pumped, you're slapping high fives. What do you do at a funeral? I'd be so awkward. I haven't done one yet. I've been to them. I've been to my grandpa's and I was just sobering. He was a great inspiration. I didn't help it out much for my mom. My mom's like, Will you talk? I'm like, it's not a good idea. Went downhill from there, you know. I look at her, she look at her brother, we all start crying. (laughs) We're fine though. But suicide. She was saying that on full moons, and last month was a super moon, they had no room for any more people in her morgue because suicides were so high last month. And it reminded me to think about it because two nights ago was a full moon. She said on full moons... Whatever it does, it's the highest suicide rate in the country. So I looked it up, and she was right. Every full moon, I want to be the church that prays against the spirit of death. Whatever it is. I just said, man, if that's the thing where the devil's like, full moon, oh, God created this thing. Oh, I'm going to take another life. No, 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 we're going to come against it. I want to make sure that we're the friendliest church. Now I'm looking at, I started Googling rest homes and old people's homes. I had no idea how many there were just in North County. Me alone, I could never get to them. Every, if I went to one every day, I couldn't get to every one of them in San Diego. 
But in North County, guess what? We can build an army and we can go love up and just talk to people because they said loneliness right now is the number one thing. People rather just say, I'm done. I'm done and check out. Depression, anxiety, fear is through the roof right now. And I said, no, no, we got to combat that. But it starts with us learning how to build right relationships. So I want to bust that down. Let me read a couple verses to you. In verse 25, it says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, Jesus, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, it's written in the law, what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's a lot. But this is what I love. And your neighbor as yourself. Man, if we, some people are like, man, I'm just trying to figure this God thing out. Now you're asking me to love my neighbor? That's too much. I'm out. (laughs) There's a couple neighbors in my old neighborhood. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, there's one. I'm like, no. No, no, no. I would actually ask the Lord every time I drove by, Lord, don't let me see him because I don't want to ruin my day or yours. Lord, I know these carton of eggs you wanted me to bring to my wife, but I'm tempted. Help my flesh right now. I don't want to egg his house. I'm not a juvenile anymore, Lord. Help me be spiritually mature. All right, one egg. One egg. Am I the only one? Wow. Maybe I'm being too honest. Okay. Okay. And he answered him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. Interesting. And who is my neighbor? Jesus answered, said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem and Jericho, fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now a certain chance, a priest walked down the road, and when he saw him, he passed to the other side. He was busy. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked. This guy looked, just didn't pass by. He looked. That means he had to consciously decide, I'm going to ignore, pass to the other side. Then a Samaritan who would, you know, pretty much be his enemy at this point, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. I want to tell you, I want to make sure we're a church of compassion. I want to make sure we're friends of compassion. I know we could all be busy and we're grinding out. We're trying to hustle, 10 exit, hire the next you know, life coach, whatever. But can we still have compassion in all that we do? So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, selfless. Brought him to an end, took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend... When I come again, I'll repay you. Goes off to finish this, but I thought it was very interesting how selfless this man was, what a great friend he was. So I started doing a deep dive into friendships. And why do friendships bring longevity to our life? Why do they feed our soul? Why do we crave for relationships only to find self-destructive ones along the way, or maybe we had some. You know, they always say some friends are for a season, some are for a reason, or some are for a lifetime. I wanna be the lifetime friendships. I got to see what that looks like in my mom's life, in my dad's life, friends since high school, but they had to be intentional. My mom was intentional. My dad was intentional. I never thought about it, literally, till my dad turned 80. How intentional my parents were. It was a great lesson, and, and, and I just wanted to press in for us today. How many of you with me? How many of you want to hear the five types of friends? Anybody want to hear the five types of friends? Here we go. Number one, 
Are you a covenant friend? This is your ride or die, always there for you. Number two, spiritual friend. They pray for you. You go to them for spiritual advice. They have fruit and they know the word. How many have that type of friend? How about a confidant friend? One do you go to when you have life decisions? Should I stay? Should I move? Should I quit this job? Should I get this new job? What do I do about my kids in this situation? This person's hard to find. They're not jealous. They want you to win. You could share wins with them and they want to slap a high five. I just got one a million dollars. High five. Let's go to Cabo. <laughs> Listen, if you don't have one, I'll be that friend for you. Just let me know. Hospitable friend. They ask you how you're doing. No, 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 really. How's your heart? A hospitable friend. Listen, they care for your well-being. Seek this person out because they will bring you life. We gotta have a hospitable friend. This one I couldn't put into words. Do you, did you have that clip that we found? Let, let's see if this, this might help us. I need your help. I can't tell you what it is. You can never ask me about it later, and we're gonna hurt some people. Whose car are we gonna take? I'm gonna tell you. So I gave the term hitman friend. They don't ask questions, they got you, they grab a bat and they say, that's roll. That's Pastor Samuel for me. Thank goodness for a pastor that's also my hitman. That's just, I know it, it might not make sense, but you know. People said, oh, I thought you're from the Christian. Yeah, but I'm from the south side of the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? That's why we attract a lot of military and a lot of bad boy worship leaders that love jujitsu and they will arm bar you. If you're running around this place with banners in the back. That was a joke. Maybe too far. Maybe too far. Jesus loves banners. Just not in this house. And then, and then, and then this meme. I saw this meme. I think it's really important. I may have wrote it, may have not wrote it. Just know if you're friends with me, I've ranked you based on your skills as how useful you will be after the grid goes down. Doesn't change our friendship now, but just so you know, I have a list, an A team, a B team, a C team, and you're dead weight. I may or may not be joking with that. 2020 changed everything for me. This whole new set of friends. Whole new set of friends. Did I lose anybody? We're still good, right? We still friends? How do you know? I haven't taught you yet. I haven't taught you yet. So listen, here's what some of the studies, I love this. There's a psychology today. They have, it's called the science of friendship. Friendology. Can you believe that? They were talking about friendships and they say on longevity things, friendships based on utility, meaning you, you work together or something, it had no, no zero uptick in your longevity or your health or your mindset. Friendships of pleasure did give a small uptrend. Not enough, they say, to really be statistically relevant, but enough to, you could see it marked that you would see an uptick in longevity, uh, you know, and that was people like you go to Cabo with or whatever your crew is. You do something with, you have fun with. Maybe your connect group has fun. I mean, Casey Bombasi, your connect group looks awesome. Can we crash that connect group? Open invitation, whole church. You're so generous. You're the good Samaritan. If you guys need a party, go meet the Bombaces. 
But I look at, they did 38 studies and they found that in all 38 studies, the most significant, the most decrease in anxiety, most decrease in fear, most decrease in uh, loneliness, an uptick in health and longevity on telomere lace, scientifically proven, was friends of virtue. You had that in common. They said most friendships are built on proximity and pain because they're not intentional. So those of you relate are people that went through a divorce together. Maybe they relate. So they're friends because of their pain. Or they just live next to each other, so by default they're friends. Proximity and pain is in the biblical blueprint. Friendship of virtue. Building the kingdom together. Going after the lost. Getting people delivered, set free, healed. I mean, come on. How many want to be on the friendships of virtue spectrum? Not everyone's clapping. Okay, that's all right. Give me my phone. But listen, as a pastor, we want to build relationships of virtue that we can be on purpose together, that we can do life together. So what's it take? I was thinking to myself, well, what are the things that can take us out of friendships? I want friendships a lifetime. There's been many people that I've had great relationships with that I'm no longer friends with, and I want to know what went sideways. And they say there's three things. Number one, life got too busy. So there was a lack of connection. Number two is offense. And number three is the change in values. Now let me tell you and explain the change in values. The change in values is when I met my wife, one of the first things I did, just in case she was the devil, was said, I don't, you're really cute, but... I'm, uh, listen, you need to come to church. And she said, yes. She got saved on her first Sunday. We started dating, hanging out. She was being pastored by Pastor Leanne. But here's the amazing thing. She, on her own accord, her four best friends that she went to high school, four years of high school together, did four years of college together. They were besties. They sat her down to do an intervention. And I didn't think about this until when I was putting this all together, how bold and strong my wife had to be. They sat her down to do an intervention, pretty much saying, we don't like the direction your life is taking. And she had to make a decision. Do I choose my friendships, all I've known for the last eight years, build deep, meaningful relationships, or choose Jesus, which is on a different path? And I got to give you props, babe. Shows what type of woman you really are. She boldly said, I choose Jesus. And I never thought about it, but how lonely would have that been? She didn't have friends in church because she just got saved in church. She didn't know if we were going to work out and get married, but she was smart. <laughs> that pause on the laughter, I'm not sure which way to take that. I'm not sure if that was for me or against me. I forgive you. Just showing you how to be a friend. No, but it was amazing because she chose Jesus and had, because of a change in values, lost relationships. And she had to trust God that she would develop new relationships that were more fruitful, that were more blessing to her life instead of where those were. And I can tell you what, we look back at our relationships we have now, I literally couldn't have dreamt or think about or thank you, Jesus. If I had to write my list of great friends, it would have been far better the list that God gave me. He knows what we need. I just have to show up and be the best version of a friend I can. And that is what the journey that we're on and what we're talking about. The one thing specifically that can take us out the most is offense. 
And listen, the world's gonna do its own thing. But it's amazing we can have so much grace for our friends that aren't saved, like, oh, they didn't know better. Oh, they didn't know better. Then a friend that's in church, they tweak you like, I'm done with them. Never going back to that connect group. <sighs> Can't believe that guy. It's amazing, like you get saved and we lose our grace. You know, by the way, on my point five, you know, Hitman, it's funny because just because you get saved doesn't mean you're soft. I don't want a bunch of soft Christians. I want a bunch of emerged men, some cherished women. You could still be bravado. It's like you got saved and someone drops an F-bomb around you, you're all offended. I'm like, dude, you've been saved a week. You had a trucker's mouth like 10 days ago. Now, just because you don't say it anymore, now you're judging all your friends that do? Calm down. Delicate ears. Now, I'm not giving permission to do that. I'm just saying when we get so sensitive, I mean, I'm never talking to that guy again. I mean, dear Lord, he slammed his thumb in the door. Have a little grace. At least I prayed for him. He just walked off offended. How we can work this out? I mean, we get saved and suddenly we're over the righteous line. I'm never going back over that line. Well, all your friends are still over there. Can you go get them? Let's be a friend. Let's not be afraid to get dirty. I was up at this conference hanging out with all these guys. I'm like, why am I liking some of these health practitioners more than I'm liking people in my church right now? And I realized it's because they're not religious. But Jesus didn't die so we get religious. He died so we could be in relationship and we can go back after those other people. We gotta be even bigger people, better friends, more grace. So let's build on these meaningful relationships. This is called hashtag life hacks. Let's do this. Number one, building on the rock for your life. How do we do it? I love this. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will like them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man built their house on the sand. And the first rain, when Hillary comes, your chair might blow over in San Diego and you're gonna have to be okay with it. But you built on the rock. How do we do it? And I know this is basic 101, but I wanna tell you before we get into this next thing, we gotta make sure we're the friend that if people need prayer, we're gonna be there for them. How do you do it? Well, you get in your word daily. How many are still on track with their daily reading for the year? We're almost at the end of the year. Thank you for the brave hands. Great. How many are not on track? How many don't even know what I'm talking about? You're not even reading the Bible. That's okay. You, and the stripes are new. We're gonna give you one right afterwards. Don't worry. You and I will hang out. I like him already. But here's what I'm telling you. Some of us started this journey to read the, we all decided we're gonna get the Bible. We gave out all these Bibles. It's the daily reading plan and we got off track. My question is, how many of your friends know you're off track? Are you all hiding that? No, no, I'm on track, man. I'm, oops, oh no, I'm 57 days back. <laughs> but we can't even be honest with our friends that we just got off track on our Bible reading. I mean, the world's not coming to an end, you're just off track, but it's amazing how funny, it's like I have people unfriend me on the Bible app that you can see, you know, in the beginning of the year, everybody's sharing with me. On the Bible app, you know, you read it on the Bible. It's, so everyone's friends with me in the beginning. By the end of the month, I've lost 50%. Three months in, everyone's unfriending me. I'm like, dude, 
I'm not judging you. Well, maybe a little bit. A lot of grace, though. But it's just amazing how everyone starts calming at the beginning. Man, this verse is awesome. But, you know, halfway through, crickets. So I send like a meme, a cricket meme, and they know what it means. Crickets. How many of your friends know when we get off track? Those are real relationships. Can't we be like that in church? Pray, worship. Community is accountability. We don't want to hide from our friends in the house of God with virtue. Remember virtue, friends of virtue. But yet, then we don't go to connect group because stuff's messed up in our marriage and we kind of like hiding it and getting all Christianese or, or maybe you lost your job but you don't want your friends to know you lost your job so you ditch connect group or you don't call your friend. No, no, the first thing we should do is call our friends that know how to pray. We want to find out, do we have those friends? If we don't have those friends, then you want to tell somebody that you don't have those friends so we can then get you those friends. I got lots of men that know how to pray. They're like, they're looking for someone to pray for. They got you. You don't have to worry about it. Number two is love unconditionally. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you and you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's amazing. We call ourselves a discipleship church. How do we know? We got love for one another. How does that show up? That we can make mistakes and we got grace. That we're not a bunch of offended people that keep getting offended and keep getting offended. It's like, so-and-so offended me. So-and-so offended me. I've been offended here. I was like, how offended can you get? It's shocking how offended we could get. We got to get some thicker skin up in here. We got to have grace for another. None of us are perfect. Is there anybody perfect? No, I'm looking. I see you, Ellery. Close. Close to perfect, but you're still young. It's amazing that we just suddenly think just because we're saved, we're working this out, we're trying to, trying to be a good person, we're trying to love Jesus, we're trying to be more Christ-like. None of us are perfect. We all fall short, yet our grace runs out for each other. How do we still have unconditional love? Well, number one is always stay in the place where we have acts of kindness and service. Matthew 25, 35 says this, Jesus teaches the importance of showing love through acts of kindness. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, you came in. When we lose this, we start to get callous because we get too busy. But you know why we all resonated with Pastor Barnett that came down from the Dream Center? Because we were like, oh, dude, he's doing it. Let's go up there and visit and figure out how to do it here. And like some of you want to go help the homeless. Some of you want to just go love up on somebody old that maybe they have no friends left because they've outlasted all their friends in a nursing home. Their family lives across the country. They got nobody. Man, I'm going to beat them in cribbage this week. I'm going to be pumped for it. Maybe I'll take them down to show them what a whoop down at their age feels like. I'm not going to go in there and get soft. I'm going to get there and just be relational with them. Some of you are judging me right now. See, that was a test. I was just trying to be funny. I'm going to go, I might let him win a game. Just one. Listen, the Bible talks about patience and long-suffering. All that means is don't make it about you. When did life become all about us? I love it. The Bible encourages patience and long-suffering. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. 
In 13, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. It's amazing. I just had someone that I considered a friend close to me, you know, kind of lay into me a little bit. And you know what? I, I took it and I went home and I was a little tweaked. I was walking like this. I even got adjusted. It didn't help. <laughs> I was still a little tweaked in my spirit. And then God spoke to me and goes, where's your grace? Where's your grace? You, do you know what he's walking through? Do you know what he's doing? You have no room, even though he's had a lot of room for you over the years. Just like I've had a lot of room for you over the years. Can't in this one instant, you not make it about you? Can't you give me some grace? And then started showing me some stuff that I didn't see he may have been walking through. And I had to repent, check myself before my wrecked myself, and immediately I felt joy come over me. I felt peace come over me. And I realized, you know what? I need to start praying for this person. I just went into warfare prayer. And immediately God's like, yeah, the enemy is starting to twist your heart to get your heart hardened. And if, guess what? Above all else, guard your heart. For from it is the wellspring of life. If that one little offense got me tweaked with someone that I care about, how close? But it was just the Holy Spirit nudging me, don't go there. Don't go there. None of us are gonna get it perfect. None of us are gonna be right all the time. Can we have grace for another? We're just working this out. We're trying to be a discipleship church. And I'm telling you, for us to grow in relationships and friendships, this is one of the most important keys, having grace for one another. If we can have grace, we can do even greater things together. Number three, forgiveness and reconciliation. Matthew 18, 21 says, then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often shall I sin against me? Or show my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? I mean, that you like that number, Jesus. Jesus, he did, I added that. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Listen, if we keep getting tweaked by somebody, let me tell you, read the bait of Satan. This is not exaggerating. I have to reread this book about every 18 months. John Bevere drops hammers in here, but he's saying the enemy used different bait for every one of us to try to get us triggered by somebody to try to get us a little tweaked, a little off, a little of this, and it just takes our heart a step back. The bait of Satan is a good reminder all the time that, listen, it's like when you go fishing, you wanna catch a bass, we're gonna use this bait. If you wanna catch a bear, you're gonna use this bait, not you. You're not the bait. But if you wanna catch something, but for the devil, guess what? He's got the same type of bait for us to get us to misstep, to get us to fall short, to get us to so guilty in our conscience, we finally just say, you know what? I'm not worthy to go to church. You know what? I'm not going to hang out with that friend group anymore. You know what? My marriage sucks. I'm not going to call and get prayer because they're going to think I'm in it. You know what? Whatever it is, the devil works overtime to get you hooked on his little fishing hook to get you back out of the house of God, to get you feeling sorry for yourself and just become another statistic. I refuse to let any of us be doing it. How do we do it? Number one, self-examination. Check your heart. Just check your heart real quick. Just God, just give me an inventory. Where's my heart? Twice a week I do this, check my heart. You know when? Sunday morning when I'm driving to church, check my heart, Lord. And Wednesdays, on the way to church, check my heart, Lord. I don't need to do it every day. Uh-oh, got somebody up there. Check your heart. <laughs> Second, practice humility. Approach every situation as Jesus taught in Matthew 7, 3 through 5. I love the book of Matthew. Maybe it's because it's your name. It's right there. 
Hey, what's up with that speck in your brother's eye, but do you not notice the log that's in your own eye? Why don't you take that eye out of your own eye there, buddy? And then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Every time, it's just, I have to go, all right, Lord, help me see something I don't see. Where's the blind spot? Another one is just honest communication. I can't tell you how many times in church, it's just a conversation. I'll be like, hey, I hear this. Somebody's struggling with somebody with something else. I'm like, hey, did you talk to him? Nope. I'm going to tell you, why not? Why not? And here's why. We live in a world right now where it's walking on eggshells all the time. And so we're trying to figure out how to navigate it. I'm going to tell you back in the day when I brought my wife home for our first Thanksgiving at my parents' house, and uh, my mom and I got in it. To me, it was conversation, but she thought it was a knockdown drag out. And uh, I was just talking to my mom. We're very passionate people. And then so we decided to go to the mall. We go to the mall, and my mom called me and goes, hey, can you pick up uh, some flour and some stuff on the way back for the turkey dinner? I said, yeah, no problem. And my, my wife looked at me, and she goes, we're going back? <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're up here for Thanksgiving. I, I mean, if, if, if my family got in a fight like that, we wouldn't talk to each other for a month. I'd be like, babe, this is totally normal. She goes, looked at me like we were crazy. We went back. Everything was normal. She was walking around still like, oh, my God. And I finally go, Mom, are you and I good? Kayla's really stressed out. She goes, yeah, we're good. Why? What's the problem? Looks right at her. What's the problem? Then my uncle came in. He goes, you're the worst restaurant owner ever. You know, you don't know. I don't even know how your mom raised you. You're lucky. You're half, you know, anyways, it went off. Goes, yeah, your football jersey was never dirty in high school. You should have been a cheerleader. And I was like, yeah, I love you too. Can I get a hug? Don't touch me. Okay, I love you too, bro. And she goes, are you guys okay? Is he mad at you? I'm like, oh, that's just him. By the end, he's hugging, crying. You're leaving. I said, I know. Come visit. I'm telling you, don't let offense or things that, it's just communication. I was just telling you, this is how my family communicates. Sorry. We've had to work on a communication. Thank God for Dr. Brian and Pastor Yergin. Years, years of good counsel. Last one is extend an olive branch. Just, it, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, forgive and be forgiven. Don't, and he won't. I mean, do we got to break it down any simpler than that? Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. If you won't forgive, he won't forgive you. Ouch. Should probably be a high priority. Who's coming up for you that we just got to figure out who to forgive? Extend an olive branch, an act of kindness. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I know it's tough. I'm not immune to it because I'm a pastor. I just will be probably judged harder one day. So I have a high quality of fear of the Lord. But the one thing I've learned out of all this, this is what time of church, when I met Pastor Jurgen, you know the one thing I loved about Pastor Jurgen that changed my life? I figured, you know what, when we met for coffee before the church started, I just figured I'd shock an arm real quick. I just went straight to all my dysfunctions because I just didn't want another pastor to judge me. So I got it out of the way. You know what Pastor Jurgen did? He says, oh, man, I got you. Just show up on Sunday. Why don't you come to my house for prayer? I'm thinking to myself, oh, man. 
Let's see how long this gig lasts. He kept showing up. He kept praying for me. He kept loving on me. He was there for me. And one day I realized, you know what? He's actually not judging me. He wants me to get over all this judgment and quit feeling sorry for myself. And the minute that I asked for forgiveness, I got back into a relationship with Jesus. I helped navigate some deliverance because I needed it. I needed some inner healing. I realized I had to swallow my pride because that's what it was. Pride was telling my pastor everything was okay. Pride was saying like, no, no, I got it all together. Pride was saying, no, no, no. The devil is using pride to make sure that I lived a fake Christianese life. In this house, some people have a hard time with awakening. You know what it is? Because they've been a Christian so long, they've learned how to fake it really well. And when they come here, they can't fake it anymore. When we know people are actually going through stuff just because you're a Christian, you don't want to come down to the altar, that's called pride. When you don't want to come to a prayer meeting because there might be deliverance or stuff might be happening, you don't understand, you don't want to show up. You hear people praying in tongues and you're raised against it, but you're not willing to go and sit down and really get into the word of God with a leader, that's pride. Listen, pride is what takes most Christians to live a Christianese fake life. And I said, I grew up that way. I will never be a pastor if I have to preach that way. Let me tell you, this church was founded on three things, fresh, real, and powerful. The minute we're not real, you'll never get the power. We're always gonna keep it fresh. But if we lose real, we'll never get the power. If you wanna see God's power, you better keep it real. And every Christian always starts the same, like it's real, it's real, until guess what? It's not real. This life won't always be peaches. You are gonna walk through stuff as believers. You may be high one week in a good way, doing great things and not high that way. Hey, deliverance for the second row. All right, yeah, yeah. I was not talking about high. Lord, I pray for Ernie every day, but I'm gonna increase it. Thanks for not being high today, Ernie. That's good. We're all on a journey, like I said. But let me tell you something. You're gonna have your highs and your lows financially. Highs and lows in marriage. Highs and lows with raising your kids. But you know what? It's amazing. You don't have to pretend everything's good at home. You come to prayer and let's get in your world and pray for you. That's about being authentic and transparent. Matthew 5, 37, but let your yes be yes and no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Jesus always taught on honesty and integrity, but then we get a church as a bunch of fake people. Why? Can't we just be good listeners? Show grace? Know that we all don't have it together all the time and we don't have to pretend? How do we do it to be honest and transparent? We speak truthfully. We share our feelings and we admit our own mistakes. That's it. Everyone agreed earlier, no one in this room is perfect. Can we speak truthfully? Can we share our feelings and admit mistakes? For some of us, we've been hurt so bad we don't know where to start. And here's what I'm gonna tell you, we gotta build trust with each other. And if we know we're perfect, then we gotta have grace for that trust. But how do we do it? Confidentiality. Someone tells something, respectfully don't share it. 
Consistency. Consistency in your word and actions. Show up. Let's show up for each other. Let's pray. If you say you're going to pray for me, let's pray for me. And avoid assumptions. I'm going to tell you something. If you need clarification, ask better questions. Because I'm going to tell you, if we can rebuild trust and we can be honest and transparent, we will have a church that lights the state of California on fire for Jesus. If we don't get the foundation, build your house on a rock. If you can't be honest where you're hurting, what kind of church are we going to build? There's plenty of Christianese churches up in here. If we're going to move in the power, then we got to let everybody know, listen, we are hurting, or this is where we're at, and we'll help you find a way out of it. But we're not mind readers. Anybody a mind reader? If so, you need deliverance. I didn't say discernment. I know a lot of you got discernment. But I just want to stand to our feet because I'm going to tell you something is, here's an example of being authentic and transparent. There's been times where I know, and I used this as an analogy last service, like maybe I was having a birthday party, maybe an anniversary. And deep down, this guy had been grinding out all week long and he should have taken his wife out on a date because they had it planned but they didn't want to not show up to my birthday, not talk to me about it. But deep down, they wanted to take their wife and reconnect, which they should have done. But instead, they showed up for the wrong reasons, which didn't help their marriage out. That's not letting your yes be yes and no be no. That was the priority. All that took was a conversation. Hey, I really wanna come to your, your birthday. I don't want to disappoint, blah, blah, blah. And if he just would have said, but my wife and I have had this date night on the calendar and it just fell on the wrong day, I'd have been like, bro, you're doing the right thing. You and I can go get dinner anytime. You and I could hang out anytime. You and I have a glass of wine anytime. Don't worry about that. My feelings aren't hurt. It would have taken more courage for him to have that conversation. But he was being true to himself in his integrity with his wife. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where God can move in radical ways. If we could just start being a little transparent. And when a church isn't really used to transparency, things can get a little thing. That's why you extend grace. I, I love people. I don't mean to offend them, but I just grew up speaking truth. Maybe my truth could be a little bit off. I don't get it right all the time. But I want people to win. I want you to have a blessed life. So me to withhold information that I can see is actually withholding you walking out what you need to walk out. We gotta speak life into one another. You know what a good friend is? A good friend tells another friend the truth when they're being an idiot in their marriage. Well, did you tell so-and-so? Oh, I, bro, it's not my place. You're his best friend. What do you mean it's not your place? Yeah, I just, I don't know if it's worth it, man. Well, I don't want a friend like you then. We gotta fight for one another. We got to be there for one another. The devil works overtime to take us out. So turn your palms to heaven and let's God, let God just do something. If you feel like with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you feel like there's areas that you need God to heal up in your heart so you can trust again, I just want you to raise your hand. If you feel like you want to break through in relationships or deeper relationships or you want to be a better friend, I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray an impartation because I think this is so important for us as a church to get this. I know it's not popular preaching, but you know what? 
God's doing something big at this house and I wanna make sure that I don't hinder it in any way. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every hand that's lifted right now. God, we expose every lie from the enemy that maybe he's told us one thing about somebody or maybe twisted things, interfered with things or put a splinter to cause division in the house. God, I pray for healing. I pray for great relationships, great friendships that we're for one another, that we pray for one another, that we believe in one another. And and Lord, even if we don't get it right, Lord, that we can extend grace to one another, that we can heal one another, that we can be your disciples. And you'll know we're disciples on how we love one another. Let us love one another in a radical way. Let us see each other differently. Let us go out to light up each other and, and, and care for one another. I pray for connect groups, that everyone finds a place in this house, that they feel deeply connected, that God, we are friends of virtue, not just utility, that God, we just don't find common ground in our pain or our proximity, but we're great friends with great relationships that are deep and meaningful, that are fruitful, that God, we are the light for other people that are lost, that are lonely, that wanna find relationship and community. God, let this be a beacon of that. Thank you for your blueprint all throughout your word, God. Let us be the good Samaritans to those that need our help, God. Highlight those people that need us. And for those that feel lonely, I come against the lies of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. For those that don't know you, Lord, may they seek you and they will find. I thank you that you're knocking today. That God, you're you're having conversations with how we can be better friends to one another. That God, we wanna do life the way you've given us life instructed by this word. Let us get into your word. Let us not be Christians of judgment, but Christians of grace. Show us the way. We honor you today. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.